grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from the book of Hebrews, let brotherly love continue. Must be a good thing. Dear friends of Christ, you know, we're, we've been reading from the book of Hebrews for the last several weeks, and uh, now we get to the final chapters. The final chapters of Hebrews, uh, what does it talk about? Encouragement. It encourages us. It's about having believers keep their eye on Jesus. Keep focus on Jesus. Live your life for Christ. Be obedient, right? We're reminded of all the saints who live before us. All the saints who were obedient and faithful. They ran the race of life with perseverance and they crossed the finish line, that heavenly finish line. And then, of course, we're, we're encouraged then to run the race of life with perseverance. As Christians, it takes perseverance. Living the Christian life is hard work. Run the race of life until we cross that heavenly finish line. You know, the book of Hebrews is kind of like a long sermon. It really is. And, uh, of course, we're going to pick it up. It was written for Jewish converts, the new Christians who came into, into faith. So these are new Christians in the first century, and... When people come to faith, there's a lot of things they have to change, right? So you've got a heathen person living in a godless life, in a godless society, and all of a sudden Christ Jesus comes into that. Now you imagine the change that happens with their heart, with their mind, and with their life. Well, that's what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. A seismic shift takes place, and how are they supposed to start thinking, and what are they supposed to start doing, and... Because Jesus now becomes the reason for their living. Jesus becomes the reason for their existence. The reason why they talk the way they do and act the way they do becomes a center for everything they did. And you and I have been Jesus' followers for years, right? I mean, we've been Christians, most of us, since we, you know, since we were baptized. And of course, as we follow Jesus, you know, we don't have so many changes. We've grown up in this. Everything isn't new. Everything isn't different. Yet, God still calls us to be different. You know what that word is? When God calls us to be different? What's that word? Holiness. Holiness means you're different. You're set apart from all the others. And as we unpack the conclusion of this sermon from the book of Hebrews, it's filled with random stuff, almost a list of things that don't even seem to make sense. They don't even seem to go together. Uh, but really, it may look random, but it's really a beautiful piece of artwork. These closing verses paint a picture. What does God's church look like? What does holiness among the people look like? And of course, we find out a beautiful picture of the church emerges. An image of the church emerges. So what is a church? Is it perfect? No, it's not perfect. No, it's, it's filled with lost sinners like me. Filled with selfish people, jealous people. Filled with contentious people, stubborn people, opinionated people. Church is not a perfect place filled with perfect people. The church is not perfect. 
but it's holy. And there's a difference. And so our theme for this morning, not perfect, but holy. So God's people were encouraged, or always are encouraged, to live holy lives, set apart from the rest of the world. And again, this sermon from the book of Hebrews shows us what that looks like. That, the world, that we, the church, are not perfect people. We're not a perfect church. There's no perfect congregation. There is no perfect Christian. The church is always distinguished, however, in the midst of all this imperfection, the church is always distinguished by this God-given holiness. His people are holy. You have been made holy through the blood of Jesus. So what does this holiness look like? Well, our text begins, and it says it this way, let brotherly love continue. Now, this brotherly love is more than just a feeling. It really is an action. Um, It's a sacrificial love rooted in deeds more than in feelings. It's what happens when people serve each other and love each other, show hospitality, our text says. That means open your house. Let people in in who have need, especially if they're Christians, especially if they're Christians who are strangers to you. Our text says that this is what holiness looks like. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole angel thing and entertaining them, except to say, know this, that if you meet a stranger who is a Christian in need, it may be an angel, and they're testing you. But I do want to get into this brotherly love thing. What does holiness look like among you? You express brotherly love, and you can do it in all kinds of different ways in our congregation, in our community, but you know, whenever we have a funeral, you express brotherly love when you volunteer to help somebody in, in, that's grieving. That's brotherly love. It's an action. It's a deed. You express brotherly love when you take your money and you give it to, to somebody who's struggling and you gift it to help them out and pe- help people in need. You express brotherly love when you serve in the church on a board or when you serve as a teacher. You express brotherly love here at First English when we have members who are suffering, members who are hurting, and you go and you suffer with them and you hurt with them. Brotherly love is when members of the church are mourning and you go and you cry with them. Cry with the people that are dying. When the members are in prison and you visit them, as our text says, remember those in prison as if you were in prison with them. Remember those who are mistreated as if you're being mistreated. This is what holiness looks like in the congregation. Are we perfect? No, we're not perfect. But we are Christ's body. And Christ's body is holy. No, we're not perfect. We are holy. And there's a difference. Right? And we see each other not as perfect, but as holy, as forgiven, as redeemed, as beloved by God. 
Brotherly love is holy. And again, it seeks to alleviate anybody among us who's suffering. We don't want those among us suffering. And if they are suffering, you know, we want to help them. This is what holiness looks like, being there. And it's not the pastor's job, right? The pastor isn't the only one who is called to be different. The congregation. Now understand this. There are no holy people, in, no, no perfect people in this congregation. There are no perfect people at First English. There was only one perfect person who walked on the face of the earth and they crucified him. No. No, 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 no. We're not perfect people. But we are holy. We are God's children. We are forgiven. And how do forgiven people live? Our text continues, Let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. Now that, that lone sentence gives you an earful, right? Holiness has everything to do with what is personal and intimate uh, in our dimension of life that we call marriage. In fact, we call it what? Holy matrimony. Why is it holy? Because it's set apart from all other estates. And yet, though it's holy matrimony, understand this, there are no perfect marriages. There are no perfect husbands. There are no perfect wives. But marriage is holy. Have you ever thought about that? That your marriage is holy? That your spouse is holy? You know, and that you're encouraged to keep the marriage bed holy? And when you do that, this divine institution, that's what holiness looks like? Uplifting that relationship, encouraging that relationship, living in that relationship? And the giver of marriage says, let the marriage bed be undefiled. And he's declaring here that sex and marriage go together. Sex and marriage are a team. Without marriage, there is no sex. Anytime that there is sex outside of marriage, it's unholy. And there are many unholy things that are around us today. But God has declared that sex and marriage go hand in hand, and what God has joined together, let no man separate. The sexual relationship has to be an exclusive relationship between the husband and the wife. That's what holiness looks like. That's what's right. That's what's good. It means you should see your spouse not as perfect, but holy. Now, a whole lot of people would find that notion to be antiquated or old-fashioned. A whole lot of people in our world today don't find marriage to be holy anymore. Just in a state where people come together until it's convenient, then they, then they get out of it. Our world doesn't think marriage is holy. Our world today is not all that different from the first century unbelievers. Back then, they had prostitution, they had adultery, they had homosexuality. They even had pedophilia. 
All of those were socially acceptable behaviors. These are unholy things. And the only difference today is we have the internet. We have the internet that glamorizes and publicizes and digitizes all these things. Makes it accessible for these unholy things. Make them accessible for us 24-7, anytime, anywhere. But this is not what holiness looks like. God's holy children were called to cling to holiness. We're called to listen carefully to the creator of sex. And we pay attention to what God says in his holy word. We listen and we learn. We're students. Sex within marriage is holy. It's good. Sex outside of marriage is unholy. It's bad. In fact, it's not only sex outside of marriage is not only sinful, it's harmful to people. Whether you're 12 or whether you're 91. Holiness is what we do and how we live our lives for the Lord. You can see it. It's quantifiable. It's measurable. However, holiness is also invisible. So you can see it, but it's also invisible. Now, again, that kind of holiness is the kind of of holiness that we each have in Christ Jesus. Again, you can't see forgiveness. It's invisible, but it happens. You can't see Jesus, but He lives inside of you. He's invisible. You are the body of Christ, and you represent God by how you live. You're God's representative to your family. You're God's representative to your children, to the community. You represent Jesus, and Jesus is holy. And Jesus lives in you. Now you can't see him down there, right? But he's there. The blood is there. The forgiveness is there. The holiness is there inside of you, washing and cleansing and doing what Jesus does so that you may not be perfect, but so you may be holy. Our text continues with what holiness looks like. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. You know, money, it's a gift from God. But, and being content is what holiness looks like being happy with what God has given you. And God has given us all very different things. Some people drive $80,000 cars. Some people drive $1,000 cars. Very difficult to be content when you have a $1,000 car and somebody is driving a $90,000 car. But holiness is being content with what you have. The Bible also warns that the love of money is the root of all evil, but When used in faith, money is not filthy. When used in faith, when used properly, money is holy and good. It has a holy purpose, a holy reason. Again, what does holiness look like? Our list continues. Remember your leaders and those who spoke to you from the Word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And now we come to the theme of our Sunday School Rally Day, teachers. Right? Consider, remember your leaders. Remember those who teach you. And again, brotherly love. It's expressed by how we treat our children. Our teachers don't teach because they love to teach. Why do our teachers teach? 
because nobody else will do it? <laughs> Maybe. Why do you think our teachers teach? Because they understand the, the importance of the eternal aspect of teaching our children the eternal things of God. They share their faith. And as they do, this is what holiness looks like. I'm going to have a bunch of teachers up here. This is what holiness looks like. And yet, do we have any perfect teachers? No perfect teachers. But they're holy. Set apart. They stand in Christ the way you stand in Christ. Their sins removed by His blood. And likewise, pastors, not perfect, but holy. And they've been called. They've been called to serve. They've been called to love. They've been called to teach. To love God's people. This is what holiness looks like. This is what's set apart. And though teachers are not holy, and though pastors are not holy, from the sermon from the book of Hebrews, it says, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Imitate the good things they're doing. The right things they're doing. The good things they're saying. The right things they're saying. Listen, the church is not perfect. But it's holy. And the source of all of our holiness is Jesus. Jesus Christ. He's the perfect one. He's the holy one. He's the right one. And He comes to share this perfection. He comes to share this holiness with each of you to make you His family. Now, there was a price to pay, and he paid that price, right? He paid the price to set you free, paid the price to make you holy, to give you his life, his forgiveness, with his holy, precious blood, crucified for you, risen for you, to sanctify you, to love you, to redeem you, to make you holy. Do you understand how precious you are to the Lord? Do you understand how loved you are? Jesus Christ, our text says, is the same yesterday and today and forever. It's a good thing. We live in a world where everything's changing, constantly shifting, devolving into unholiness, it seems. In a world where there's constant temptation to be unholy and to live in that world of sin around us. As if there's no difference between Christians and unchristians. And yet in the midst of this diversity, you are holy. In the midst of all that unholiness, you stand as a Christian in holiness because you are holy. You stand forgiven and that will never change because Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And He's pledged that He'll always be with you, that He'll never leave you, He'll never forsake you. For better, for worse, He is there for you. And He's here to be your Savior. He's your constant source of blessing. Worth teaching about? Now, are you holy? Does your life look like this list from the conclusion of the sermon? Is that what your life looks like? No? Mine either. Are you holy? Am I holy? But this is where the beautiful portrait of the picture of the church emerges. What is the church? Well, it's not perfect. It's filled with lost sinners. Selfish people, jealous people, stubborn people, opinionated people, 
not a perfect church. The church is not perfect. But it's holy. Not perfect, but holy. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting. Amen.